Right, great. Well, look, last week we started to look, as you can see from the graphic, we started to look at the whole subject of discipleship. And uh, I guess we started by looking at two disciples uh, last week. We started to look at Andrew and his friend. And when we first met them in John chapter 1, they were following John the Baptist. And uh, as Jesus walks by, John the Baptist says uh, to Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God. And they're clearly so impacted by this revelation of who Jesus is, they decide to stop following John, don't they? And they literally start following Jesus up the road. And uh, Jesus obviously becomes aware of this, and he turns around to them and he says, Oh, hello, what do you want then? Well, he didn't quite say that. He said, what are you seeking? But that's what he meant. What are you, what are you, what are you after, guys? And um, we, we just began to look at that whole phrase. Yeah, in terms of us, what do we want when it comes to God, when it comes to being a, a, a disciple? And we, we began to unpack that a little bit, and we saw that there are kind of two groups of people. We saw there is a group of people who are believers, but they come to Jesus when they want something. And uh, so, oh, I'm in trouble. Help me, help me. And we, they kind of get Jesus out of their pocket at that point and say, Lord, help me. I'm, I need your help. And then, because God is good, often he will help them. And then they say, oh, thank you very much. And then they put Jesus back in their pocket, and then they get on with their lives. Thank you very much. You, you've made my life a bit better so I can get on with my life. Nice one, God. Thank you very much. But actually, we saw that what Jesus is after is disciples. People who don't just get a blessing or two out of God and sort of know him. Thanks for salvation. Thank you for healing me. No, what they're doing is they're saying every day, Jesus, I'm after you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to follow you wherever that is. I'll pay the cost. And that we saw that there was a cost to that. And we saw that there were these, basically these two groups of people. And I ask you the question, are you a disciple? And every day I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Or are you a, mm, yeah, when I need you, I'll call on you, God, for a, for a benefit or two. And I just, we paused last week. And I felt very clearly last week, this is a bit of a moment in God for some of you. This is the difference between a mature walk after God or an immature walk after God. And I felt there were some people that needed to step up to stop saying, yeah, I just, I just want the benefits, really. And to start to say, no, Lord, I'm after you. It's you I'm after. I, I know you'll bless me along the way, and I know that's good. But actually, ultimately, it is you I am after. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to be with you. And I will pursue you wherever you go. And I challenged you, didn't I? Hello. Yes, I did. I challenged you. And uh, it was great to see a number of people last week stand up to say, yeah, I want to make the shift. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. That was great to see. Really, really brilliant. Well done if you did that. So I kind of want to pick up this week sort of where we left off. And I want to ask the question, so, okay, you've decided to be a disciple. Brilliant. So where do we start then? How do we sort of get going in all these things, isn't it? It's, Yes, I want to be. I want to be a mountain climber. Woohoo! I don't actually want to go near a mountain, mind. But I, but I do want to be known as a mountain climber. You know, we've got to start. You've got to start climbing up a mountain, haven't you? So how do you start the process of being a disciple of Jesus? 
Well, I've been looking through the call of some of the, the uh, disciples in the Bible, and it seems to me there is a clear start point for almost every single uh, disciple. And the, the, the start point is just two words from Jesus. The two words, follow me. That's what Jesus said to nearly all of his disciples. Follow me. And I feel right at the beginning of this as well, God is saying actually to you, to us, to us, Hope Church, will you follow me? Will you as individuals follow me? Or will you follow the better life? I want you to bless my life and I'm doing my thing over here. Or will you follow me? And uh, if you look through scriptures, you'll see very explicitly Jesus says this to some of the early disciples. So Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, Jesus very clearly says, follow me. Philip and, and Matthew, also known as Levi, very clearly there is a call, follow me. In fact, when the Bible writers were recording the, uh, the call of Philip and Matthew, they don't record anything else. Have you noticed that? The only words that Jesus recorded from Jesus are those two words, follow me. I can't believe that that would have happened like that. I can't believe Jesus went up to Matthew and said, follow me. And then he said, without saying anything, yeah, okay. There's got to have been conversation around that, hasn't there? You know, hello, how are you? You know, I don't know, something. Have you had a good day on the money tables today? I mean, I don't know what he said, but there's got to have been some kind of dialogue. Yet, the, what the Bible writers, when they're remembering that event, they say, what was the really important, what was the, what was the real nub of that conversation? It's two words, follow me. Everything else was superfluous, really. I, follow me. This is the key of it. And that's why, with Philip and Matthew, that's all that's recorded. That's all you need to know. That's what you and I need to hear. And I want to say, it's not only when we begin we need to hear, follow me. Christians, you may have been Christians for a while. You need to hear it again. Jesus says, come and follow me. Every day, come and follow me. Now, I guess um, one of the issues... Sorry, I've been forgetting to do this. There you go. Jesus said, follow me. There we are. Now, one of the issues about this whole issue of being a follower is that the meaning of the term follower has been so downgraded in recent years. And uh, really, it's compliments of these two. So we have today, uh, we have people who have hundreds, thousands, even millions of followers. I don't know who they are. They'll be pop stars, won't they? Or commentators or famous people, I don't know. And... Um, and uh, uh, you know, on, so on Twitter, you have followers, and Facebook, you have friends. It's the same thing. And people say, oh, how many friends have you got? Have you got hundreds? Or... And I have to admit, even on the church website, I look at that. Yeah, how many have we got? How many are we doing? How are we... In fact, we're constantly, through these mechanisms, we're constantly invited to follow people. Have you noticed that? Follow so-and-so. Have you, why don't you sign up to their thing? In fact, I was going behind a, a, a plumbing van the other day, and it had on the back of it, follow us on Facebook. And I'm thinking, why on earth? Why would you? I'm sure they're very good plumbers. I'm sorry if you're, I'm not, you know, insulting them. But just think, 
Why would you spend your time following? What are they going to say? We have a lovely new bath that we've installed. It's just look at the taps on it. I'm thinking, what? I don't care. I don't care. See, what it means to follow now in, in, in modern society means this. It means to take a sort of vague and casual interest in what someone has uh, doing or saying. It might, it might be a laugh. That'd be good, wouldn't it? But it won't make any difference to your life. It's not going to affect you. It's really to say, just have a quick look, and then you can pass on or delete it. That's not what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. So what does Jesus mean when he says, hey, I want you to follow me? Jesus never had a Twitter account. Can I just say that? <laughs> when Jesus says this, follow me, he's saying this. Acknowledge me to be your guide in life, your leader, your teacher, your Lord. Actually, uh, what's Lord? Uh, your ultimate boss. It's not quite right, but it's sort of had some slightly... <laughs> Better phrase for it. We'd understand that more today. See, if you, I guess if you and Jesus were in a boat, let's imagine you're in an open boat together, you and Jesus, and the boat signifies your life. You would be on the tiller, you know, the thing that makes it go where you want it to go. And you're deciding, oh, we're going to go over here. We're going to go over there. When you become a disciple, it's a little bit like you standing up in the boat saying, Jesus, will you take this seat, please? Here's the tiller. And he comes and he sits down. And now he is the one that's steering your life. He is the one that makes the final decision. He, guard, he, he, he guides your life. Now, God is gracious, so you have conversation in the boat. And you might say, can we go over there? And he'll say, yes, we'll go over there. But no longer when you become a disciple do you make independent decisions. That's gone. When you become a disciple. See, Jesus is expecting, when we say we will follow him, I tell you what he's expecting is for you to move, to get up and to say, oh, you're going there. I will come after you. It's no good saying, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. See you later. I'm staying here. Some of us kind of have that view. In fact, some of us have the view, I think, when we become Christians, that it's Jesus' job to follow us. So I'm going to get on with my life, and you said you'd never leave me or forsake me, and I want to go over here, so I'm going to get on and do this. So come on. So Jesus is saying, well, well all right, I'll come with you. But this isn't quite where I was thinking we were going to go. But that's the view we have of Jesus. You follow me. Jesus said this. No, other way around. You follow me. That's what I'm looking for. He's what it's what he's looking for. If you long to know him, if you want to grow in him, if you want to see his power at work in you, then you need to move in line with him and his desires and not the other way around. It's the basic principle of discipleship. We follow him. It sounds so simple. You might say, why are you even saying that? It's simple, but we don't do it. And actually, part of the reason we don't do it, I think, is because it is quite tough. It sounds very easy, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll follow you. Yeah, Lord, woohoo, I'll follow you. 
Actually, what you're doing is you're giving up your independence. You're giving up control, actually, over some of the most precious things that you have. It's a great uh, conversation that Jesus has. Helps to demonstrate this a little bit. Um, He's having a conversation with a scribe. A scribe is a religious bloke in the Bible. And clearly this scribe has been looking at Jesus. And he's been looking at his his life and he's really impressed with Jesus. And uh, he says this to him. I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Wow, that sounds good, doesn't it? That's kind of what you're hoping for. But Jesus' response is interesting. He says this. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he saying in that? Well, I think he's saying this. Look, foxes have homes. Even birds have homes, but I don't have a home. I think he's challenging this man. He's saying, yeah, you said you're going to follow me, but the reality is you love your home. You're the kind of guy that when you get home, you just like to close the door and say, oh, I'm home. I love my home. I love being known in my little locality. I love the the reality of it. My home has high value for me. Jesus is saying to this man, I know that and I'm challenging it. So if you want to follow me, it will mean you'll have to leave that behind. Look, he goes on to say, look, another disciple. Oh, interesting, disciple. Another disciple said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. That sounds really reasonable. Jesus says this, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Wow. See, what was Jesus doing with this man? He was challenging his true priority. This man was saying, actually, I'll follow you, but my real priority is my family. My family is of more importance to me than you. And Jesus comes and he challenges that priority. When the disciples follow follow Jesus, they have to leave their business behind. They leave their career behind. When you're a disciple, it means this. Your home, your family, and your career come second to following him. It's not quite so easy as we think now, is it? Ah, okay. Can I just say, that is what he's calling us to, to put him first above all of these things. Now, this doesn't mean you'll have to give these things up, okay? So don't, don't, I'm not saying, right, you've all got to sell your homes. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that at all. But it's about where the heart is, isn't it? What's most precious in your heart? And I have to say, my experience uh, of God asking me to give up precious things important things to me is that he's very gentle he really is gentle um, uh, you know uh, many of you know this story but I uh, I've been in publishing for many years and that was my career and uh, I can remember being in a meeting when I was in my probably early 20s I was in London and the guy who was speaking just said if you are willing to give up your career in order to serve me full-time will you stand up and I remember thinking yeah yeah I'll do that I'm not sure how I thought that through properly, but I, 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 did, I stood up and said, right, Lord, here I am. And he said, this is just between you and God. And I sat down again, didn't think anything more of it, carried on with my career in publishing. 20 years later, 
I'm doing very well, thank you very much. In publishing, nice career, nice car, nice, you know, it's all good. I've been promoted on a number of occasions, doing well. Guy comes up to me in the church and he prophesies over me and he says, Adam, I really feel God is saying this. God is going to move you on from your current job because he wants you to do something else. And I can remember saying to this guy, well, thank you very much. Thank you for having a go at prophecy. I think you're wrong. Um, uh, I, I, uh, I'm very comfortable where I am. Lovely. I'm going for tea. <laughs> well, then things began to change in the weeks and months after that. Suddenly, this business that I'd known and loved started to radically change. All the people above me were made redundant that I really liked and got on with. Suddenly, instead of being a little business in Croydon, uh, there were about seven business buildings that were shut down, and we were all poured into this one big central hub in Camden. And I hated it. I began to loathe it. I was on the phone to Rach saying, Rach, why do I hate this business now? Just, it's so difficult to be here. And even then we had this uh, bigger, uh, big an event, we had an, uh, like an awards event, and I can remember I'd seen it grow from nothing, and it was a big do in Park Lane, uh, Grosvenor House. Uh, I had 1,200 guys, had a big you know, celebrity guy who would run it all. And I can remember going to that last one and thinking, I know this is my last one. It was just an overwhelming sense of, I am saying goodbye here. I really am saying goodbye. And I thought, okay. A month later, I'm called into a meeting. Everyone with my, t my position is made redundant right the way across the business. I feel euphoric. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I am feeling. I'm, and I even say to myself, I'm being made redundant. It wouldn't do to smile. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, yeah, this is great. I then, I then, I made, made redundant, feel quite happy. Feels like I'll never have to work again, you know, kind of, I'm just out of school sort of thing. And I go and tell Mark, and I say, Mark, I've just let you know, be made redundant. He says, praise God, he said. I, um, I've been praying for people to be made redundant so they come work here. Why don't you come and work for me? You know, for, for, the, for the church. And I'm thinking, oh, oh okay. <laughs> So God got me from a deep-rooted career into another place where he wanted me, and it was very gentle on me. But it is an issue of the heart. What comes first? What comes first? In one sense, being a disciple of Jesus costs you nothing. In another sense, it costs you everything. And I'm not going to kid you. It comes with a price tag in that sense. Another thing I want to say about the heart of uh, following, the heart of that is it's humility. You need humility to be a disciple of Jesus. You need to submit to him. You see, a, a disciple is a, has, a, has a heart that says this, I want to, I need to learn from you, God, and I need to learn from others. It's a heart that says, I'm going to listen to advice. I will respect my teachers, my friends, and others that are trying to speak into my life. Question, how do you do when it comes to learning from other people? Are you proud or are you humble? A disciple needs a humble heart to learn. See, I think many of us have got into this state 
I think now, after you've been a Christian for a while, you begin to think like this. You begin to think, it's God's job to disciple me. So if he speaks to me, that's great. You know, if I'm reading my Bible and I get something from God, yeah, God has spoken. Or if I uh, pray and have a sense that God is leading me in a certain way. Or if somebody brings a prophetic word, that's God, he's speaking, he is discipling me. But I am now old enough now not to be discipled by anyone else. And we get ourselves into this place where we think it's only God's job to disciple us. What did, what did Jesus say in Matthew 28 to his disciples? Go into all the world and make disciples. Who is doing the making of the disciples? The disciples are. People are. I want to say this to you. If you have shut your ears to other people and they are discipling of you, God, you will not be discipled in the way that God wants you to be. See, we, we need to be a group of people that disciple one another. We're going to have to create somehow a, an atmosphere of mutual discipleship. Are you too proud to be discipled? Have you been a Christian too long to be discipled by someone else? Let me, let me ask it this way. How easy are you to disciple? I mean, I was thinking about my early years, and I was thinking, yeah, no one ever came to disciple me. No one ever put their arm around me and said, come on, Adam, I'm going to show, I'm going to, you know, I'll disciple you. No one ever did that. And then I stopped halfway through that thinking process, and I thought, yeah, why is that, do you think? Um, do you think perhaps it might be you were quite hard to disciple? You were actually, you were actually giving off the vibe no, no, mate, I'm on my own, thank you. I'll work it out with God. Just me and God, you can push off. I think there probably was an element of that, a bit of arrogance. If you could be cloned, how would you feel about discipling you? <laughs> if you had to disciple you, would you think, oh no, anyone, anyone other than them? Discipling is fundamental to what we're about. And if we're no good at it, that's got to change. It's got to change. The Bible says this, God resists the proud, but he exalts the humble. If you want to be exalted by God, be humble and listen to correction. How did you react the last time somebody brought correction to you? Well, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. If they only understood, they would understand that I am right and they are wrong. Ah, okay. What does God do to the proud? He resists them. Some of you, I suspect, are a bit stuck in your walk with God at the moment. And you're saying, why am I not knowing more power in my life? Why am I not getting more answers? Why am I not? Can I ask you this question? Do you think it's God who's resisting you? It's God saying, I'm looking for humility. That means, that means this. You're going to have to listen to people who are younger Christians than you. <laughs> no, Lord, surely. They've only been a Christian a year. How can they be discipling me? 
I think God will do that in his grace because he'll want to bring humility to you. He'll want to see how you can react. The other thing is this. You can be sure as eggs is eggs if you want to be a disciple. God will love you. He will care for you. He will strengthen you. But he will challenge you. Because what you're doing as a disciple is you are being changed into the image of Jesus. That means you need to change. I need to change. We need to change. Change is part of the deal. And if you are saying, I don't want to change, then that's kind of, you can't be a disciple. Do you see what I mean? It will stop your move forward movement. Okay. Last thing I just want to say about this is this. When Jesus asks someone to follow him, it's often in the context what he's saying is, I want you to stop following this so that you can follow me. So a classic example would be Matthew. Matthew is, has become, Levi has become a tax collector. We've looked at him before, and you remember we saw that actually that was a huge disgrace. It, what it means is that Matthew has taken on a king. He's now taken on Rome as his employer. Therefore, the head of the Roman Empire is the emperor. Therefore, his king is the emperor of Rome. Now, Matthew is a, is a Jew. And it means that the Jewish people felt that no Gentile nation ought to rule over them. So when Matthew starts to work for Rome, he is supporting a Gentile empire, keep oppressing the Jewish people, keeping them down. So Matthew is now a traitor to God and to the people. That's why they hated the tax collectors. But the benefit of being a tax collector was, firstly, you can make lots of money. And the other thing is, if you had any trouble with people, and they would try and kill the tax collectors, you could just knock on the local uh, centurion's door, and the Roman army, in all its power and might, would come out to help you. And they would, you'd say, who's, who's giving you the trouble? Well, number 38, knock, knock, knock. And they would be sorted out Roman style. Nasty, I imagine. So when Jesus approaches Matthew and says, follow me, what he's saying is, I want you to leave the king that supplies you with all this money and that protects you, and I want you to leave him, and I want you to come and follow me. I want to ask you a question. Who are you currently following? Who is it that absorbs your time and your money and your passion and your care. Where does that currently go? Let me ask you a question. Do you need to put that down in order to follow him? Let's pray together. Would you close your eyes again? I just feel like I need to do this again, actually. I just need to ask people to respond if they want to follow him. I ask you to close your eyes. But if you just want to freshly say, you may have stood already last week, but I just feel I need to do this again. This is between you and God. If you're saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. 
Will you put your hands up, please? I want to follow you, Jesus. Right, thank you. Put them down. Father, I pray for everyone who's put their hands up. And I want to say, Father, would you bless us as we seek now to move on into maturity and to follow you with all of our hearts. Father, I want to ask you that, uh, Lord, where we need to put something down because it's in the way, Lord, I ask you to give us the courage to do that. Ask you, Holy Spirit, to come freshly to that thing and to challenge it. If it's in the way of us following you. Lord, I want to ask you that it will become red hot in our lives over the next few days and a week. Father, I pray that you just make it so obvious. Father, I want to pray for those who want to follow you. And I want to ask you to bless them. Father, I thank you that the promise is, Lord Jesus, you said you would never leave us or forsake us. You said you would never leave us or forsake us until the end of the age, you said. So Lord, we know your word is true. And I want to pray for blessing and favor over those who have decided to follow you. I want to ask you to accelerate their walk with you. I want to ask you to increase their ability, Father, to, um, to run with you. And Lord, I want to ask you for this whole thing of listening to criticism and uh, you know, helpful criticism. Father, I want to ask you that you would bring a humility into our lives so that we could hear the discipling of God when it comes through you and when, it, when you bring it through people. Lord, we say to you, we want to be open to your discipleship. I want to be open to your discipleship. I want to hear criticism. Lord, I thank you the wounds of friends can be trusted. That's what your word says. Father, I ask you that we would not be defensive and insulted, but instead we would be humble and grateful even for your correction. Jesus, we bring ourselves now, Lord, as individuals and as a church, and we say, Lord, we want to follow you. We're on the business of following you. We want to follow you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Father, help us not to give up following you. Help us not to get distracted by other things. Jesus, we tell you, we love you. Just worship you again. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.